Hello and welcome to this edition of Mike and Mark Talk School Law. This is the first time you're joining us. Our goal is to spend 20 minutes or so taking a look at a pertinent legal issue and then hopefully letting all of you uh, have a better understanding of something that could impact your role serving in, in a school. Uh, again, my name is Mike Nitty. I'm superintendent of the Ewing Schools over 30 years in education. Also had the honor of being adjunct professor of school law for both the College of New Jersey and Ryder University. And I'm joined as always by my longtime colleague, Mark Zinnemer. Mark, take a moment and introduce yourself. Hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, my name is Mark Zinnemer. I'm a partner with Shank Price, Smith & King in Florham Park, New Jersey. Uh, I've been practicing school law for 25 plus years. Our firm represents probably about 50 or 60 school districts, both uh, public and independent schools throughout the state of New Jersey. I remember something Mark told me about two decades ago when we got a little bit of argument outside of Great Adventure in Jackson. He said, Mike, don't tell me what or no, or I don't know. I know the law. <laughs> and he does. Um, Mark, I have a good topic today, uh, one that might be a little New Jersey heavy, but it's certainly going to, I think, take place around the country and will have a significant impact on schools and, and, and you know, our state. Um, but I think it's important for educators to understand that we're kind of entering in a new world here. And uh, the, the topic is legal marijuana. And here in New Jersey, our governor, right, just made marijuana legal just our past month in February of, of 2021. And our focus is gonna be, how does the legalization of marijuana impact all of those who work in schools? So you wanna begin by giving us a little overview of what happened here in New Jersey and what the new law said. So uh, on February 22nd of this year, Governor Murphy signed the long awaited uh, legalization of marijuana law called the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement Assistance and Marketplace Modernization Act. Uh, certainly not short on words in the title of the law, but there was basically three interrelated laws that were passed on February 22nd. The first legalizes marijuana for certain adults uh, 21 years of age or older. Uh, the second has certain criminal and civil justice reform components to it. And then the last and third law deals with um, underage possession or consumption of various forms of cannabis, uh, including what are some of the legal consequences for um, folks who engage in that type of activity if they're under 21 years of age. So that's what changed. It was basically voted on by the New Jersey um, public uh, by uh, a, a ballot question a couple of years ago. And this finally is the legislation that flowed from that. Do the law specifically state or mention public schools at all? Now, even though the laws are not really dealing specifically with schools, there are some provisions in the statute, all, all of the statutes, I should say, that deal with schools. Uh, they still make it clear that uh, cannabis is prohibited uh, within a certain number of feet of schools, both in terms of uh, possession or use. Um, they do talk about the fact that if a student has cannabis in his or her system or a staff member has cannabis in his or her system, that is not prohibited by the statute. But again, possession of the actual drugs themselves in a bag, for instance, would be prohibited. And there are heightened penalties uh, for those folks who commit these offenses within a thousand feet of a school in terms of possession or use. So those are the ways the law kind of 
indirectly deals with schools. Okay, let's have a good talk here, Mark. I've been an administrator since the 90s. Now in the 90s, if you're walking by a student in a high school and that student smells like marijuana, it would trigger a series of events. Someone would say, hey, Mr. Nitty, that child smells like marijuana. Bring the child in your office. Indeed, he does smell like marijuana, right? And that would then the student would get tested. Quite often you would search the student. And if you found marijuana in the child's possession, then it would involve law enforcement and some disciplinary action taken here. How will these things change under this new law? Yeah, so when this law came out um, several weeks ago, my phone was ringing off the hook from an administrator saying, oh my gosh, does this really change anything for us? And my answer generally is no, it doesn't change much. Um, again, it is still illegal for um, students, people under 21 years of age to consume, smoke, be in possession of marijuana. So in your example, if a student uh, is reeking of marijuana in the hallway or his or her eyes are red or has any indicia that he or she is under the influence, it still triggers us sending the student out for a test. The fact that it's illegal doesn't change, legal, I should say, for uh, adults doesn't change it in terms of uh, being illegal for students. It's, again, no different, in my opinion, than, than alcohol. The student is under the influence of alcohol. The school is going to send the student out for a test. Same idea. So assistant principal says to a, to a student, it says, you smell like marijuana. And, and the kid says, yeah, no, 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 you know, no wonder my parents are smoking all last night. You know, it's legal. And can the assistant principal then just say, okay, your parents are smoking pot last night. Well, you go about and have a good day and not do testing of the child. I think the school official would still be under an obligation to send that student out for a test. Um, if the student smells like marijuana, we don't know that the student is telling the truth or not, that it maybe was the student, maybe it was the student's parent at home, which would have been legal, but nevertheless, I think we have a, a mandatory obligation to send the student out for a test. And remember, Mike, there's immunity under the law. If you send a student out for a test in good faith, believing the student may be under the influence and the test comes back negative, maybe the student wasn't under the influence, you can't be sued as a school official for that. There's immunity under the statute if you send the student out uh, in good faith. There is case law actually where administrators have not sent students out for a test who are suspected of being under the influence and they've lost their tenure by exercising discretion not to send a student out when in fact there were signs that the student was under the influence. So I would always err on the side of caution, send the student out for the test. If it comes back negative, terrific, all well and good, uh, we exercise caution. I like that approach as well. Not a lawyer, but an educator. We care about our kids. You know, we don't want to see any child under the influence of marijuana. It's still, like you said, illegal for, for kids. So I, I do believe that is the right approach to embrace. But let me ask you this question. In my years as a high school administrator, uh, when we suspected a kid was under the influence of marijuana, quite often it would also lead to a search, a reasonable search by school officials, uh, you know, bag, pocket, perhaps locker. Should administrators still search a child who they suspect of being under the influence of marijuana for marijuana? I think it's still a good idea to do that. We have the case that went to the U.S. Supreme Court, New Jersey versus TLO, which said that school officials have a right to search students if there's reasonable suspicion, not probable cause, it's a lesser standard, but reasonable suspicion to believe the student 
may be in possession of, of drugs, marijuana, drug paraphernalia, et cetera. So if a student smells like marijuana, eyes red, all the signs, I think uh, a school would not be off base in, in doing a related search of the student's clothing, uh, perhaps backpack. As you know, we can randomly search lockers. We don't even need suspicion as long as we put uh, students on notice at the beginning of the school year that we can do that. So uh, I do think that within reason, we should do some related searches of the person as well. Uh, let's say that search takes place and in a bag, they find 10 individually wrapped bags of marijuana that appear to be packaged for distribution. And the kid just says, I know it's my parents. I grabbed it on the way to school. I'm sorry about that. Should educational officials, should they still notify the police? I think they should notify the police under those circumstances, because again, the law makes it clear that you're still, whether you're an adult or a student, not allowed to possess, possess uh, marijuana on school grounds. I would report that to law enforcement. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be criminal penalties that are going to attach even to a student under that scenario. There's a series of warnings that happen depending on whether it's a first offense or a second offense for a student and so forth. But um, again, I think we should absolutely report that scenario uh, to law enforcement because students are not allowed to deal drugs, even though it's legal, again, illegal for students uh, under 21 years of age. And I would always, again, err on the side of caution and reporting. Yeah, now if I believe the police are kind of limited, I think about what they can do, correct? Under the new law with regard to even children, correct? Under the age of 21? Mike, it's kind of a little bit of a surprise, but what the law says is that for the first offense of a student possessing or being under the influence, there's a written warning that goes just from law enforcement to the student second offense to the student and the parent with information about drug rehabilitation and then third offense again goes to the parent and the student with further information and referral to drug treatment facilities that, that's my understanding of it but there's no criminal penalties that attach for uh, any of those things okay let's take a look at it from a staff perspective now uh, today teaching is a very difficult and demanding job at any level uh, today, a, a third grade teacher at the end of their day can go home and with dinner have a glass of wine, correct? Yes. So under the current law, though, in, in elementary school, a high school teacher can go home, right, and smoke a couple joints in the evening, correct? Not illegal at all? Legal, yep. All right. A staff member comes in, smells like marijuana the next day. Uh, principal says, eh, no, Miss Jones, you smell like marijuana here. All right, what action can the administrative team take? Should they take or should they just ignore it? Yeah, I think we have to think of marijuana like we think of alcohol. It's, it's legal for, as you point out, an adult to drink uh, a glass of wine, have a beer, whatever. Uh, it's not proper, it's not allowed for a school official to come to school, however, under the influence of marijuana or alcohol. So if we suspect that a staff member is under the influence of marijuana at school, uh, we should send that staff member out for a drug test, just like we would if we suspected this teacher was under the influence of alcohol, we would send the teacher out for a test. Now where it becomes very, very complicated is what is the level that would deem somebody to be quote unquote under the influence beyond the ability to function properly as a teacher. To your example, if the teacher smoked marijuana last night, as I understand it, we send this 
teacher out for a test the next morning, it's still going to show up in their system. And again, what's very complicated about this law, and I don't really have any great answers at this point, is you know what is the level that makes somebody uh, deemed to be under the influence impaired, such that we would have a right to take disciplinary action against that staff member. It's still uh, it remains an open question, and we don't have the answer at this point in time. So I would say maybe just smelling of marijuana under this new world that we're in may not be enough. But if the staff member is clearly impaired, then you would almost have to approach it like they were under the influence of alcohol at work. In this case, they're under the influence of marijuana at work, which you know is not illegal, but obviously is not what you want to see in the workplace, especially when dealing with children. Yeah. I think we're probably going to have to look at the big picture. What I mean by that is we're going to look to see what the results reveal in terms of what was the level of THC. Um, I would also advise uh, school officials to really document, very well document, what were the signs, what were the symptoms, was the teacher you know, fumbling down the hallway, were they slurring their words, were they excited, were they anxious, were their eyes red, were they uh, slurring their speech, whatever it was so that we can kind of really document what the signs and symptoms were. We're going to look at that in conjunction with the levels and then make a, a determination as to whether the staff member violated uh, our school rules about not coming to work impaired. So the uh, question, was the staff member impaired? Yeah. Probably you look at our staff members with the most important responsibility. Sometimes it's our bus drivers. Are our bus drivers allowed to go home at the end of a tough day and, and smoke a marijuana cigarette? The answer is no, because marijuana, keep in mind, is still um, a Schedule One drug under federal law. And with a commercial driver's license, which is controlled by federal DOT regulations, uh, marijuana is still prohibited. So bus drivers are not allowed to have uh, marijuana in their system at all. It is still prohibited uh, to be under the influence of marijuana or to have it in your system with a CDL license. So bus drivers, I think, are a little bit more of an open and shut case. I have one final question for you, Mark. All right, and then we'll see if you have anything to add, then we'll go to our big finish. Uh, from a governing perspective, I know throughout my long career, there were a couple places where I went to work where I was drug tested before being hired. Uh, if places do this where they drug test new employees, be it a custodian, a teacher, whatever, and the drug test comes back showing marijuana, can that be used not to hire the individual anymore? Um, no. The law prohibits an employer from terminating or refusing to hire an employee or prospective employee uh, for the recreational use of marijuana on their own time. So if somebody says, hey, I, I love to smoke marijuana on the weekends, that would not be a basis for us uh, refusing to hire that person unless the person was a bus driver. Uh, but other than that, we can't, I'll call it, discriminate against uh, staff members who recreationally use marijuana on their own time. Okay. Anything you'd like to add before we head for our big finish? Um, look, I'm hoping there are some guidance that comes down the line as to what it means to have a certain level of marijuana in your system that it would deem somebody to be impaired or under the influence. I think law enforcement is going to face the same issues when they pull somebody over who's driving. Uh, uh, and the question becomes what level in their blood or urine is going to constitute a, a positive test. It's easier with, with alcohol. If you're uh, 0.08 or higher in New Jersey, you're deemed under the influence. Open and shut pretty much uh, is the case. But with marijuana, it's going to become more complicated. I think we're going to face that same issue with staff members in schools. It's still 
uh, uncharted water, so to speak. Students, it's a little bit easier. We have a, a right to demand that students who are uh, under the age of 21 not be uh, uh, impaired in any way, shape, or form or have marijuana in their system. So um, students, again, I think it's a little more of an open and shut case. Staff members, it's a little bit more complicated. But bottom line, think of it as uh, the same as alcohol. You're not allowed to come to work under the influence of, of alcohol for students or staff. Uh, and you're certainly not allowed to possess it on school grounds, and they're going to be subject to the same disciplinary consequences uh, as they would with, with marijuana or alcohol. Okay. I'm a high school principal here. What's the big thing I should take with me from this new law that will impact how I do my job for my students every day? Uh, we still have a, a, a right to demand that our staff and students uh, not be under the influence at school, on school grounds, at school events, or that they not be permitted to possess marijuana on school grounds, uh, at school events, and so forth. And we have a right to take action when they do. Uh, when in doubt, err on the side of caution. Always send the student or staff member out for the test. When in doubt, err on the side of caution. Report it to law enforcement. Although, as I mentioned before, there's really not going to be any criminal penalties that will attach. Yeah, I would say from the educator's perspective, my feeling has always been if you're doing something out of the benefits of a child's well-being, that's always the direction to go in. And I think that's something to keep in mind, too, as we go forward. Yep, the health, safety, and welfare of the students and staff uh, always has to be paramount. Yeah, but definitely interesting time and significant sea change for, for those of us who have been doing this for a long time. No doubt. And, you know, Mike, I, I look forward to maybe doing a future podcast with you six months from now, a year from now to see how this this law develops and uh, the impact that it's going to have on schools. And I'm sure it will. Agreed. Uh, hey, thank you very much, Marka. Thank you, thank you. for watching. And uh, we will see you next time on Mike and Mark Talk School Law. Take care now.